what does it mean to never go back? In Christ, we are a new creation. And we're called to never look back on who we were, never to go back to those former things. But what does that look like? How do we do that? Today on the THP Online Community Podcast, Jaron Hall joins us to walk us through this week's promise and to help us with some very practical ways of walking the truth of never going back. I really want to encourage you guys to lean in and and take some notes and and also give us some feedback. Like reach out to us. You can reach us on any of our social media, THP Report on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email us at mediahub at thpstreetport.com. And let us know how this message encourages you and challenges you. All that being said, let's get into today's message. Well, welcome THP Online community. However you may be watching, wherever you may be watching, um, what an awesome time we just had um, during worshiping and song, and what an awesome uh, just next few moments that we'll have together through His Word. And we're going to start out at the very beginning with His promise, and, and our promise for this week, it's, it comes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And so let, let's read His promise that we have for us today. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And our God is a God of new beginnings. He, he loves doing new things. And we like doing a lot of new things too. Um, he's proven this through his creation. That, um, that we are made new in him. That he, we produce new hair cells. Um, new cells all the time. We have new days, new years, new months, new seasons. Um, we love just new things happening in our life. And and one of his promises that we just read is that we can be made new. And not only just new, but a new creation. And that just means transformation. And um, we love, you know, maybe this generation a little bit more so than, than others loves, you know, getting the latest tech, whether it's the new iPhone, the new Android. Um, you know, maybe there are some anomalies, but not too many people are getting like old old phones and, and still using them and a lot of times you know because they're not even in operation um, but we're always going on to the new thing and I think about things in my life that maybe I've tried out and I remember like the first time I tried it and I remember the first time I tried skateboarding and that was a very very new thing for me um, it was and it was a very quick new thing for me I remember going to the skate park and I don't even know what they're called, but, you know, those little things. And I just kept, you know, I was sore on my arms. I kept falling over and over. And it was very new. And I don't think I've picked up a skateboard since. And um, and so when we try new things, there can be a lot of new anxiety, um, a lot of just unknowing. And I remember this really this past week, we started our first ever Teen Reach Adventure Camp. And a lot of our people here at the Hill Place are connected to with it in, in one way or another, and um, we did so much training. We've been training for this camp for over a year. We went to Seattle. Um, we had people come down from other places to train us, and we've done so much training. But what I've learned is you can only do so much training before you, you just do it, and like sometimes you have to get that first camp out of the way to see what are some things that we need to change, what are some things that worked out well and things that didn't work out so well. And sometimes you just have to go through that first-time experience. And 
in our life with Christ, as much as we love, again, the new latest iPhone, Android, whatever it may be, and, and new seasons and you know new years, like this is my year, when it comes to things in Christ where he asks us to maybe do something new, whether it's a new calling, um, uh, just a next step, sometimes we can be a little hesitant. Again, why? Because it's unfamiliar. Um, when a lot of adversity hits in our life, we like to go with what's comfortable, what's familiar, and and Jesus, when he calls us out, a lot of times it's with stuff that isn't familiar and things we're not comfortable with, and that's just because of growth. And it can be scary, and we might be tempted to hold on to our old life, just like our promise. Um, the old life has passed away. We can't go back. Um, we have to embrace the new thing God is doing. And I just want to kind of list off a few examples in the Bible of really this principle. Um, God calls Abraham to a new land, to a new people. Um, God calls Peter, John, and James specifically to leave their old life as fishermen. Uh, that was their livelihood. That was how they put food on the table. That was what they were comfortable with. And God called them, or Jesus calls them and says, follow me. And they left everything for him to, to be in new life with him. That caused them to become something new, a new creation. Um, one of the best examples of this is Paul, though. We, we believe here at the Hill Place that a moment, a moment with Jesus can change everything. And there's no more evident than that with Saul who turned Paul. And, you know, we, this is such a great example of how Saul was persecuting the church. He was, like, killing Christians. And then all of a sudden he has a moment with Jesus, and it changes everything. And the church that he once persecuted, now he has helped building up, and he is praying for, and he is doing things. And so we have to learn to trust God um, in the new things and in the new challenges. But what we find is, as we go through even more examples of in the Bible of, of new callings, new, new steps, what we find is that as God calls us into that, sometimes there is a period of testing and preparation. And many of us, I teach high school algebra and geometry. I've learned that a lot of people don't like tests. And, you know, I kind of liked it. I kind of saw it as a challenge. But maybe spiritually, I do not like testing and, and preparation. But, again, some more examples in the Bible. Joseph, um, this was very evident in his life. God, the call of God is upon his life. And he went through an intense time of testing and preparation there were things done to him that were not justice there were things done to him that that really maybe even weren't deserved but it was all to prepare him for what God had to come David uh, God calls and anoints David to be king but David didn't take his kingdom and, and take um, control until 15 years before he reigned as king again there it is he had testing a time of testing in a time of preparation. And then obviously, Moses, John the Baptist, Jesus, all had moments in their life where there was a time of testing and preparation. And during those times, we have to learn to embrace the new thing God is doing, but to endure these times of testing. And, and they can be hard. And uh, the last example that we'll talk about this is the Israelites. There's this constant carousel of sin, suffering, and then they cry out for mercy, God heals them, and then they go back into this carousel of sin, suffering, 
and, and crying out to God. And, and they longed for the old, God, give us, Lord, we want to be back in Egypt. And, you know, almost what an outrageous statement to go back to the place where you were enslaved, to go back to the place that God had set you free from. And, and they grumbled, and we know that God punished them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Um, but we have to leave our old life behind. I remember there was a prophecy that or somebody spoke over me years and years ago, and it was when God calls you into, like just like this, as God calls you into this next season, there's going to be things that you can't bring with you. And I, I think that's for everybody, that as we step into the new thing that God's calling us to do, that we have to leave our old life. And I, I want you to, I want to engage the online community. I want you to type right now, new creation. We are a new, type that right now in the chat, whether you're watching on Facebook, uh, YouTube, however you may be watching, type in new creation. And so I want to read this promise again, and I want to break it down in just a little bit different light. Um, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, well, you've probably heard this once or twice or five times once you see that word, therefore, you go back and we see what it's there for. And what we see is in the three verses before this, verse 14, 15, and 16, uh, what we learn about is that, um, that we have died to Christ and we no longer live for ourselves, but we have a new spiritual life. And so that's what the therefore is there for. And it says, um, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. New creation. That means every aspect of your life. When you have that moment with Jesus, your life looks completely different. It is not the same. And whether it's physically, um, emotionally, spiritually, obviously those are kind of obvious, but socially, the way that we love people, the way that we encourage people, when we, when we have that encounter and with Jesus and he's making us in the process of making us into that new creation, the way that we love people should look different. Financially, you know, God talks about being a good steward. Um, the way that we handle money should look different in Christ. And when we become a new creation, um, the word that kept coming to me throughout this verse was transformation. And, and that's what this process is called, is transformation. And it affects every aspect of our life. And, and we have the choice. We can go back to the old life, we can go back to Egypt, the chains that entangled us, or we can step into the new life in Christ that he's called us to be. And as God starts that process of transformation, as we allow God to move in our heart and in our mind, you know, the Bible talks about be transformed by the renewing of your mind, um, we encounter hope. And hope is what we encounter when weakness encounters God's promises. As we begin this process of transformation, we are given a hope that this time is different. Why? Because we are in Christ, in Him. And we're going to, for the rest of this time that we have together, we're going to talk about a man named Gideon and how God transformed him literally into a new creation. He was not the same Gideon from when we first um, read about him in Judges chapter 6. And for a lot of Judges chapter 6, I'll um, kind of paraphrase a little bit or summarize, and, and you can go back and, and you can read the story for yourself. But in verse 1, there's a key phrase there I want to start off. It says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Again, the same carousel. 
God blesses them, but then they forget the blessing God gave them. They take it for granted. They they leave. They go under um, the blessing that God had for them. They do their own thing, and, and God removes his hand of blessing on their life. And so Gideon, he was raised up in this fearful time. And I think about in our culture today. I mean, really, what a fearful time to be alive if, if you're not in Christ and you're not reading his word. There's so many things we can just turn on the news, and, and we all know um, of things that, that are just scary and things that give us anxiety during this time. Um, so Gideon was raised up, obviously not in the same culture, not in the same time period, but he was raised up in a fearful time. And what's happening here in Judges chapter 6 is we have the Israelites and we have the Midianites. And not only is it just the Midianites, it's the Amalekites, um, it's the Amorites. Basically what they did is they had like an alliance, um, the Midianites, um, the Amalekites, the Amorites. And so um, he's being raised up in this time of war. And what Israel does is they compromise with their sin. Um, they were not, because they were a chosen people, because they were set apart, they were not supposed to make peace Midianites and um, the Amalekites and all this this alliance that they had here. They were not supposed to worship the same gods. And we'll read in, in this passage of Scripture is that's what ended up happening, is they begin to compromise with their sin. And the things that they wouldn't have been okay with before, they they lost focus on God, and they begin um, to, to do things that they never thought they would do in a bad way. And we have to... Learn to allow in this time of fear and anxiety to allow God to transform our fear into truth. And I think that's such a good word just for all the promises that we've been doing as a THB family over the past couple of months. There's all these lies and, and things that come against us that the enemy tells us, and then there's God's truth, and, and that's reality. And we have to learn to face our fear and to continue to step, take a step by step into God's transformation. And so... Here we have Israel again. What ends up really happening is that they start to worship the same gods as the Midianites and, and all the, this alliance that's going on. And sin doesn't always kill you immediately. Now, there's times in the Bible people sin and they were killed right then, right in that moment. But spiritually speaking, for us, it's usually the slow, deadening effect of becoming the kind of person who loves things, in this case, idols, more than God. And that, that, that really hit me as I was thinking about that. It's the slow, deadening effect of becoming the kind of person who loves things, people, whatever, fill in that blank, more than God. And it's really all about our focus. And the Israelites continually lose focus um, in Christ. And now, this past week, um, I was going through some old photos of friends and, and just great memories and thinking about just the awesome things that God has done in my life up to this point. And I began to think about the people who really stuck their faith out from the time, you know, maybe middle school, high school, and they, they began to seek the Lord. And they, who, how did they stick out their faith? And what I believe that the Lord was speaking to me is that those who stuck their faith out had a true transformation. They allowed God to take over every aspect of their life. And when we don't do that, when we only give God, you know, a small portion of our heart and we don't give him everything, that's when the enemy comes in. That's when slowly but surely we take a step by step in the wrong direction 
and we end up in a place where we had no intention of being. You know, almost the wrong place at the wrong time. And we see, whether it's us or the Israelites, so many times we can make the same mistakes over and over again. Well, how do we fix that? We have transformation. And I also coach football, and one of the sayings that we say in our coach's office is that you're either coaching it or you're letting it happen. And that really began to hit me as I, as I was thinking about this, is I, I really want people in my life who can hold me accountable. And they see something in my life, maybe I'm like the Israelites and I'm making the same mistake over and over, and I pray that, that, that whoever that is, family, friend, that they can come to me in a loving way and say, Jaron, you're making the same mistake over and over again. You, you need to be held accountable. And, and, we, and I pray that, that we can do that to people who we have a relationship with, and we can do it in a loving and trusting way and hold them accountable. So unlike the Israelites, we don't make the same mistake over and over again. One of my favorite quotes that I've heard in my life is that sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you're willing to pay. And that's so true. The Israelites compromise with their sin. And because of that, again, it grew and grew and grew to a place where God removed his hand of blessing on their life. And what happened is this alliance, this enemy alliance came against Israel and they would camp close by. You can Read this in Judges chapter 6. They would camp close by and they would steal their crops. And so to the point where Israel was suffering and they were becoming you know, hungry and greatly impoverished. And so in verse 7, we'll start reading of Judges chapter 6. They cry out to the Lord. Again, have we seen this before? It says that it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt. I brought you up out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, those who oppressed you, those who drove out. And I also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. You Israelites did not give me your whole heart. Or if you did, it wasn't true transformation. You didn't keep taking that next step. Somewhere along the line, you lost focus, and you didn't obey um, his voice. And again, basically what they did is um, they put the God of the Amorites above the one true God. And, and we have to be able to kill our sin, or our sin will kill you. We cannot make peace with our sin. We, through in Christ, we are to be set apart again a new creation. Every aspect of our life should look different. And so here um, we pick up the story in verse 11 of wh what Gideon's doing. And I'm not an expert on, you know, medieval um, threshing wheat and, and wine press, but, but what I begin to gather as we find Gideon, he's threshing wheat in a wine press. Well, when you thresh wheat, you do it in a high place. So once you cut the stalks out, you would, they would lay on the ground, and you would take a rod or a stick so you could get the kernels out, and the seed would fall out on the floor, and then you would do it in, this, in a high place. Why? So that the wind could take the chaff out and, and, and so you could, to be picked up. And so you would do this in a high place, a well-ventilated uh, kind of area, and here in a wine press is, is not where you would be in a high place. You would actually do it um, 
in the low mountainside uh, area. And so Gideon, he's living in a place of failure, defeat, and fear. And God begins to transform Gideon's identity. In verse 12, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Again, when we find Gideon, he's hiding from the Midianites. He doesn't want them to come and to take his food. He's doing it in a place, in a low place that's really not great for threshing wheat. And he's hiding. But God begins to transform his identity. You mighty man of, of valor. And we have to believe in God's promises that in him we are a new creation. That in him we don't have to go back to our old life because his ways are higher, his purposes are higher than we could ever think. Um, his plans will do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or think. And so we are not alone, but God is with us. And Gideon begins to have an encounter similar to Moses at the burning bush. Um, in verse, we'll see, verse 13. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Probably not a good start to start blaming God. Um, probably, really, really not. But he says, and where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And again, not really a good start. Verse, I'm going to skip 14, verse 15. So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Again, Gideon's thinking in his own power, in his own strength. And that's not the case. Um, God is with us. We are not called to do things in our own power, and our own strength. We're not called to be alone. Um, and then my favorite excuse, again, Gideon's first excuse is he's alone. His second excuse is, li listen to this in, in verse 15. So how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So Gideon really got a bad draw. He is from the weakest tribe, and he has the weakest family and the weakest tribe. Uh, it's almost you know, a coincidence. Um, but again, God comes to him. He begins to transform his identity. Um, he begins to transform his family. You can go on and read in Judges chapter 6. Gideon's father had, had these idols. He, his own father, began to put up idols above the one true God. And so God comes to transform his, um, his identity his families, and he begins to fix Gideon's focus. And we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. That is the only way to true transformation um, because we are called to be set apart. And um, I remember a few, a few years ago, or really my middle school days, I got a Facebook message, and it was, if you die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to heaven. Like, I know I'm going to heaven. And this guy was like, are you sure? And I'm like, yes, I'm pretty sure. And what I love about just those questions is that, what if I don't die tonight? God still has a plan to live out and to walk out as a new creation. And so my challenge um, for us today is this, is that, number one, if we're not living into a new creation, that we go to God. And, and our online pastors will be more than willing to help you out um, and, and lead you through this. But we have to call out to God, and in Him, we can begin to start a relationship with Him. And we can begin to start that, that process of transformation. And my challenge again, life is so short. 
don't wait. We, we, so many often, we, we take life for granted. And so many things happen in our world, we never know when our time is up. And my prayer to you today would be that get your life right with God. Life is too short to hang on to anger, to bitterness, but we have to live in the new calling and promises of God. And we have to let go of our old life. Again, don't be like the Israelites. Don't go back and, and, and go back to Egypt and want to go back in the chains that, that had you in bondage, but live in Him. And so I'm going to pray, uh, pray us out. And so, God, I pray that if there's anyone online right now, God, who is not right with you, God, we know a moment with you can change everything, God. And so um, my prayer is that we would make our lives right with you right now, that we wouldn't wait. And I also pray that maybe we're someone who's lost focus, like the Israelites. We, things were going good, but somewhere along the way, we made peace with our sin and we compromised. And so in that, we, we can't become the new creation you're calling us to be. I pray that we would confess those things, that we would repent, and turn away into the new life and new calling um, that you have for us. In Jesus' name.